So tonight we're going to be looking a little bit at corporate worship, but before we did that, I wanted to share screen and jump back to a question that I thought was oddly, I don't know, I, I thought it might be answered different this time through Habits of Grace than we've ever necessarily heard it answered in the past, so I wanted to see where we went with it. So the question to start us off is, how has social media and even just technology in general affected fellowship, either in a good way or a bad way? What do you think? Yeah, it has been interesting. Like it's given us as a church the ability to, you know, still do ministry and, and do really and reach more people than we ever probably would have if we didn't have this technology and this ability. Uh, but I'm with I'm with Adam that I think of mostly bad things when I think of social media, especially just I think uh, in like in terms of we think of fellowship too. I think it's easy, and I'm not sure as adults that we think this way, but for kids especially that like the more followers that you have on a certain social media, that that means that you know you have a lot of friends. And I feel like I talk to kids all the time that are have a thousand followers on Instagram, but don't feel like they actually have any friends at all. And so, you know, just that idea that I think, you know, just because you're connected to somebody online doesn't mean you're actually known or actually bonding with, with somebody. So, and like, like Adam, you said, use the word snippet. I always think of the snippets of people's lives too. Like we have this, like, like, I don't know, everything is always great on social media. Like, it's not always great on social media, but like in people's lives, it's always great on social media. Their political views maybe are not so great, uh, but like in terms of, oh, my family is always, everything's just wonderful. And, you know, you don't see the picture of, you know, me screaming at my children because they're driving me crazy for the 40th time today posted on social media. So, you know, you I always like think of those. Too? <laughs> yeah, we did have one of those today. Um, yeah. So I, like, I just... I don't know. I think sometimes that just harms some of our relationships and it gives us the impression we have relationships that maybe we don't actually have, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, to piggyback off of that, I have like one of my favorite pictures from, I don't know, maybe a year ago when Kylie was growing up is one of those like perfect, this would belong on Facebook kind of pictures where she's just smiling and being adorable. And then I kept rolling and took like three or four more photos. And like the next split <laughs> second later is like the meltdown extreme. And I'm just like, look, these two things are side by side. And like <laughs> this first one would normally just be <laughs> on Facebook. Um, but no, like I, to piggyback a little bit off of what Ryan said too, I even think that a lot of times it creates like the false idea of, you know, like the likes and everything, but also it creates like a false sense of closeness too, even because you might be able to like, keep in touch with someone that you haven't seen in forever, like, you know, a college friend and think that that's enough to just shoot like a, hi, I'm thinking of you kind of thing. And that's a great, it's not a bad thing, but if that's all the more depth it is, like it, it loses that sense of depth to the relationship, I think. And it, give, it can give a false sense of like, oh, I am connected, but there's no depth to that connection. Um, but then flip side, like technology, even just for like preparing for this course, like Ryan and I have little kids, like it just doesn't work. And when we taught it during the school year before, like Zoom or FaceTime or whatever we've used, like we would probably wouldn't have been able to like co-plan this and co-lead this together without technology. Cause I live in out in East Pete, he's in E-Town. Like even that in and of itself being a 20, 25 minute drive and getting up early in the morning for teaching, like it just wouldn't work. So like 
flip side of that, I do see a big benefit to it bringing connections. But I think my stance, at least, you just have to be really intentional about the depths of what you're using it for. You know, we pulled this question up and just thought, like, huh, I wonder what this looks like given our current circumstances. Because like we we didn't make this question because of what's going on right now. We had always used this in, in years past for teaching habits of grace. So thanks for sharing your thoughts there. Okay, so today then, for Habits of Grace, we're gonna to start to shift our focus and our direction onto corporate worship. And just to frame this a little bit, I'm not talking about just like the singing portion. Um, so when I, when I talk about corporate worship, I mean the entirety of our experience together gathering as a body of believers. Could be on a Sunday, could be a different day of the week, but it's the idea of like conversations before the service or you know the actual singing itself or prayer or giving or even just like the updates and logistics or the sermon, like literally everything about as we gather together, that's what we're talking about here today. So as we move into this conversation of like an entirety of a service, Sunday service, what is the significance of meeting together? And that's the first question I wanna to toss out there is, why is it important? What is the significance of meeting together for worship? How is that different than worshiping privately? Even though both are definitely important. We've talked about that in earlier weeks about having your closet, um, even just like personal worship. So what's the significance of meeting together for worship? I think of when we, when I think of this question, I. Th think of um, like sporting events, I think is an easy example to just think through like that I can sit at my house and watch on TV, a NFL, you know, Eagles game or whatever, but it's different even if I'm still watching it on TV, but with two or three other Eagles fans with me there, it feels different. And that even that is totally different than going to the actual game and being with, you know, 70,000 other people who share the common interest that you do uh, at the same time. And so there is, and I'm not sure it's hard to, I mean, other than just kind of what Adam described, it's hard to like just put a exact pin on exactly what's so neat about that. But I find it interesting that the world even totally gets that too, that there's something great about being together for a common purpose rather than being by yourself doing that same type of thing so i think it brings that like you shared that as like shared experiences you know and regardless if it's like worship mm -hmm. or a sporting event like that that kind of holds true in both of those is that it's that idea of like you're doing this together and whether it's for a common goal or whether it's for even just sharing and what's going on like god made us to be together like he, he didn't he didn't make us to be an island or to stand on our own and we see that different ways through scripture but i think it's it's yeah that's exactly like you've been describing there. So to follow off on that a little bit, I wanted to bring this up. So like right now, basically every church in America is accessible through a live stream, which is completely different than maybe it's ever been in the past. Like, yes, some of my live streams, some of my like services recorded, but right now it's like literally take your pick of any church in America, they're live streaming their services because of our current situation. And Ryan and I actually used to joke about like the idea of like VR church. Like there was even a skit, a YouTube skit that we had at one point that was like, choose your favorite celebrity pastor and choose your favorite worship style and choose what you want them to be wearing. And it goes through that whole thing. But like, that's almost our reality right now. 
So like, given our current circumstances and the fact that that is oddly kind of our reality right now, like undoubtedly, you, there, we have the means to find a church that has like a better speaker than Pastor Matt, or even better worship leaders than Ryan or BJ. So why is it important to still be plugged into a local body of believers? Like what's significant about the fact that we still tune into Mount Calvary, either you know, in person if we can make it, or at least virtually during this time? Well, a couple of things to add to that idea. Um, I'm going to steal straight from uh, Pastor Dan Gilbert. He phrased it one time where the pastors in a local church are most in tune with a specific area. You know, so that could be like Elizabethtown itself and knowing the needs of the community or even like the specific needs and struggles of the church group itself. You know, like what we might be struggling with behind the scenes. So like being in tune with a, a local church, the the local pastor knows what's going on more than you know like a mega church pastor might who you're just streaming a service for uh, another side of that is like think about cat and dog theology that ryan had kind of shared before um and the idea of like what are we coming like are we approaching church with the mentality of the cat where it's like all right feed me like i'm here to be served by you or do we come with that dog mentality where we're really seeking to say all right how, what can i do to serve today even if it's in an online setting like what does that look like? Who can I reach out to afterwards? How can I encourage somebody? Or, you know, what does that look like? Am I approaching church looking to serve? Or am I approaching church looking to be served? And, you know, simply that. Um, another thought is there, there's some of those things that are preferences versus things that are truly important. And I'd say like doctrinal statements are definitely in that truly important category. But there's other things where, you know, like what the worship leaders wear or you know, to go back to the VR church thing, or even just like style of music sometimes, like that's those things that you have to wrestle over. Is that preference or is that like truly a doctrinally important thing um, to consider and look at? Um, and then we'll come back to this last thought a little bit more in depth later, but just the idea of like actually being together. I think Adam mentioned that earlier, like actually physically being together versus just streaming a service. There's, yeah, there's a difference there. I don't want to dive too much into that. We'll come back to that later, uh, but just keep that in mind. So to look back into our Habits of Grace book itself, there were five different like practical benefits that they went through. And I wanted to share some thoughts on each of those. The first one is the idea of spiritual refreshment. On the, that's the idea like we, we need to clear our heads. We need to recalibrate our spirits. We need to jumpstart our slow hearts. And personally for me, that's, if you're anything like me, a lot of times I'll leave a Sunday service feeling like, okay, I needed that. And usually it's right after the time that like, I don't want to be there or, you know, like Kylie has been melting down all morning and we're trying to get her out the door or like, I've got this mentality of like, this was a ridiculous week. All I want to do is sleep in for a couple more hours. And usually it's after those moments that it's like, okay, I needed it the most. So a lot of times it's that idea of like, just clearing my head, like refocusing back on God, refocusing back on Christ and my need for him, rather than like staying in that inward self, like, oh, I deserve, you know, to sleep in a few more hours or I deserve some time off. A uh, second practical, practical benefit is just this idea of like that togetherness that we've already talked about a couple times tonight. And Habits of Grace phrased it as assurance through solidarity. And uh, that's kind of just the idea that we were made for community. You know, there's that idea of like at a sporting event, you have that mutual encouragement from the experience or that mutual like excitement or mutual 
yeah, I don't know what you want to call it. I'm not as much of a sports guy, but just the idea that like we're doing life together with other believers and we have encouragement through that. Um, but in addition to that, we have a support network when we doubt, a support network when we struggle, support network when we yell at our kids a lot of times and just need you know prayer and suggestions on that. Uh, when we struggle in the faith, like we have those like-minded people that we know, like it's actually people who have been there, been through things or are going through it at the same time as us that we can go to to you know look for advice or even just seek encouragement someone to vent to a little bit uh it, it gives us that that solidarity a third practical benefit is the idea of spiritual growth and conviction and we pulled a tim keller quote for this one that i thought was pretty cool and it says sanctification can happen on the spot as we sit under gospel preaching and engage in corporate worship read again real quick so sanctification can happen on the spot as we sit under gospel preaching and engage in corporate worship. And we've talked a lot in the earlier weeks of Habits of Grace about the idea of like that ongoing sanctification and you know being intentional in our habits to help assist with that growth. But we don't want to discredit the fact that God can move instantaneously. And sometimes there's a sermon, you can probably think of a specific example um, from your past where God brought something to mind in like perfect timing of the circumstances you were in, or maybe it was you know, a new facet or a way you've, you've never heard that verse described before or some historical context that all of a sudden, oh, it makes sense now, but he can use that in the moment. Um, so we don't want to discredit that fact too. A fourth practical benefit is just something as simple as like that idea of submission to authority. And it gives you the chance to take some of that control out of your own hands. Because if you think about it, like worshiping on your own or devotionals on your own, like a lot of times you're picking what the devotional is or you're picking what the next verse is that you're going to read or you're picking the next worship song that's going to come up on your Spotify playlist. Uh, but the idea of one of the benefits of corporate worship is it takes that ownership out of your hands, which can be a good exercise in submission and other times is good to just, you know, not have to make that decision. Uh, but the idea that it gives the opportunity to embrace being led and not necessarily always taking the lead yourself. And then one final thought there is just this idea of accentuated joy. And I feel like this one ties back to that, like Ryan's analogy of the sporting event, where it's just like by yourself, yes, this is awesome. Like I'm watching this happen, yeah. But when you're together with like 500 other people that are thinking the same way and feeling the same emotions, like that gets powerful. And the Habits of Grace quote that we pulled for that kind of phrases it like this, like our own awe is accentuated, our own accord increased, I'm sorry, our own adoration increased, our own joy doubled when we worship Jesus together. And I can think of that like Sunday morning worship, streaming it and being in our house here has been powerful. Like knowing that we're singing, I can hear Elizabeth next to me, Kylie will kind of join in sometimes and try and match pitch. But when I think to like, physically being in the same room as a couple hundred other believers and singing some of these songs like there's just a, a an awe and a power in that that's hard to put into words but it's that you know that togetherness that that commonality behind it i think is really powerful so some practical benefits of just being together to, to think through now there was one more quote out of habits of grace that i wanted to pull up and this is the idea of it being the most important means of grace. And he phrased it this way. He said, corporate worship is the single most important means of grace and our greatest weapon in the fight for joy because like no other means, corporate worship combines all three principles of God's ongoing grace. 
So his word, we talked about originally, prayer and fellowship. Like if you think about it, like a typical Sunday service has all three of those pieces worked together into it. So it's like taking everything that we've been working on and studying in one place and in one um, space. So the next thing that I wanna do is gonna be kind of a weird question, but consider this quote. So about corporate worship, this is a Donald Whitney quote that we found, says there's an element of worship and Christianity that cannot be experienced in private worship or by watching worship. I think we'd agree with that. Like just to pause for a second, like being in person versus simply just streaming a service. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I finish this by saying there are some graces and blessing that God gives only in meeting together with other believers. So my question to you then, Ryan and I sat down this past week and we looked at this quote that we've always used before to kind of like say, hey, it's important to stay tapped into a local church. But then when we were reading this in light of where we're at and the fact that, you know, for a lot of families, meeting together isn't a reality right now. Well, how does that jive? So my question is this, how does this jive with what we're doing right now? I'll put the quote back up, but the idea of, are we doing this right? Are we doing this wrong? Is it okay? Is it not okay? Like just, what are your thoughts? And I don't necessarily have a right or wrong answer for this. I just, we thought this would be an interesting conversation as we sat down and looked through some of the older materials in light of where we are in our current realities. So how does this jive with what we're doing right now? I do feel like it's personally I've you know I've most Sundays I have been at church since March for worship you know related reasons um, but there has been I don't know maybe four times or something that I've been at my house and I do find it I do find it more challenging to engage in in what's happening I don't and it's just a weird like I don't know if it's just my own ADD kicking in or what, uh, or, um, but yeah, there's just something, you know, this idea of, uh, that I, I, I understand what Whitney was getting after in this quote, but I, it's just such a hard sentence to read that second sentence. There's some graces that blessings that God gives only in meeting together with other, uh, other believers. Uh, like I get it, but it just seems also kind of, harsh to say it that way and i my my guess i mean obviously i don't think he was writing it thinking of you know a global pandemic uh as he wrote that but i think he's thinking of more people who choose to not meet together but still there is something to be said that meeting together versus trying to do something online it's not the same and uh but like you, like adam said you know you have to be compassionate because people are all we're all over the map on what we our comfort level and the re reality of our situation. And um, yeah, as we try to process through all of this. That's cool. I'm even just like literally sitting here thinking about this in light of, I am literally going to be doing this exact thing here in two weeks with my students. Like I'm going to have students sitting in my classroom simultaneously. I'm going to have kids online watching me teach and it'll be just a fascinating little experiment I'm going to be running uh, just to, to see how that play kind of plays out. And, you know, and it's just interesting that this is not, it's not just a believers, you know, 
kind of issue, not issue, but uh, that way it affects just believers. But where this is a this is the way we're wired that it's better to be together. And I find that interesting than nonverbal, uh, the lead of other people around you that it plays into that. I think I like that. Now, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, I think when you go somewhere with the purpose of doing whatever that thing is, like when you go to church, you're going there for the purpose of, you know, being able to worship and learn and read your Bible and, you know, be with other believers. And when you go to school, you're going there with the purpose of learning like you you know what the expectation is there and when you're at home there's just that's that's your home place and it's it's hard to kind of differentiate the two and so I know that like it's it's a thought that I've already had and it's like we talked about this back with you know back when we talked about reading God's word like have a place like somewhere you go that this is what you do like I think in the same way of school it's like I think it's a good idea to have a place that you're you can go to do school not laying on your bed as you watch something, right? So, but yeah, just that idea of you have purpose when you go to those places and home is just a hard place to, uh, to find that purpose, so. Yeah, no, I, I think I'd 100% agree with that. Just even, even looking at my experiences of switching to this online learning format, like I struggled in the beginning not having a place or not having a space for it, you know? And I'd, I'd sit on my couch upstairs and we did most of our work overnight when Kylie went to bed. But like, there's so many distractions or like, I'd be so tempted to just take my phone out and start scrolling or, you know, like put a movie on in the background and like, it was, it was fun, but like, was it productive? Not necessarily. And I think just because it was so muddied in my mind of like, oh, this is where I do these other things. This is where I sit and eat popcorn and watch a movie. And it wasn't until like I carved, well, Liz, Liz helped me carve out a place in my basement where we set up the TV and we set up the computer and like had all my teaching stuff next to me like physically taking a place that I didn't normally go to in our house and turning it into a working area is what I think really helped me flip that switch. So I can absolutely see that and agree with that for um, church, like being a place or, you know, a a place that you go to retreat. Like for me, it was Millersville's camp at the old mill near Coatesville. I don't know if you remember that Ryan or not, Mm -hmm. but like, that was the the place that we'd go to. And like, when I was there, it's like, all right, I'm here doing spiritual business. Like you're, you're getting right with God. And like, yeah, so I can absolutely see that being very location specific, helping me mentally kind of like disconnect from one place. That's cool. It's all back to habits somehow we're wired that way. So yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. I never thought we would be having this kind of a conversation. <laughs> no, and like literally when Ryan and I pulled up this quote, we're just like, huh, <laughs> we, we, I feel like I just want to sit and talk about this, you know, like I don't have a scripted answer or anything. I just want to look at this together. So thank you guys for doing that. I think there's something to be said too of, you know, I guess Adam, you kind of say like what we're doing here. And I guess I'm just thinking like for people who, you know, are like, if, if you are deciding to do this online for this time, I think it, you have to put like that extra effort into connecting whether it's you know a small group kind of a thing or whether it's just really being purposeful on you know calling people or whatever it is I just think when you're when you're not able to get together for whatever reason you have to be willing to put that extra effort into trying to connect in some way because there's just something you know yeah staying connected you know even if you're watching with a bunch of people that are on Facebook but like still trying to actually be intentional in the ways that you're connecting with people so yeah i like that like there's a difference between just passively streaming and watching a sermon 
versus like engaging right. in it. I think it's kind of right. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So last thing to kind of focus our evening on is I want to talk about, and I don't know if we approach this under normal circumstances or if we approach this <laughs> under our current realities, but just what are what are some things that yeah, let's let's go current realities. So what are some things that you do ahead of time to prepare your heart or prepare your head? What are some things that you do during a service or a worship service to fully engage in the moment? Like, what does that look like given our current realities to help you actually be in a good heart headspace and to engage in versus just passively watch a sermon? I know for me, this question is, I, I, I guess I count myself as a, a lucky one in regards to many of the times for a service uh, I'm preparing because I'm literally preparing and we're practicing. And so I'm singing the songs I'm you know, and, and so I have the advantage and every once in a while, like whenever I'm not up, I'm reminded that it's hard, like, at least I feel like this way. Like it's hard to just show up and like, all right, there's the announcements. Boom. We're just going to sing. And like, we're in this mo mode right now where we're like two songs and then we're done. And like, I, sometimes I feel like I'm just kind of getting in the groove of things and it's all of a sudden we're done. It's like, okay, we're moving on to the next thing. Like, but like for me, I know that it's, it's, it's helpful that I'm there and I'm thinking through these songs and I'm like fully engaged and ready to go by the time we're, we're starting. And so it's always a good reminder to me that it's, you know, it's not, you know, when, when I have to be a part of getting my kids to the service and, uh, you know, getting our little tent set up and our, get the chairs out and like, you know, just trying to do all of those things. And then I'm also want to be ready to worship. It's, it can be, it can be challenging. So, you know, I don't know, maybe you all need to just, you know, practice the worship songs beforehand or something. I don't know. Start, <laughs> I'll send them out to you. You can start singing them in your head before you show up or I don't know. But I guess for Liz and I, we have, under normal circumstances, we have the drive to Mount Calvary for us is about 25 minutes. So sometimes that's nice just to, you know, kind of turn our conversation away from the stuff of the week or the stuff of that morning even. And just to be able, usually Kylie's pretty docile in the car. So like we can have that time to just refocus sometimes we're like sprinting and it's it's you know flying down 283 and i won't say how fast on video because <laughs> yeah but um no other times that's that's been really good for us and even after the fact like having that commute home a lot of times we'll get to sit in the car and kind of decompress the sermon because you know what else we're going to do while we're driving and that's just been a cool natural time for that um but without yeah like, like some of these mornings where we've been at home now has been really weird where it's just abrupt of like, okay, we got up at eight, you know, we're, we're scarfing breakfast down and like putting church on as we're finishing our bowl of cereal. And like, that's just a weird, like the no transition, you know, and I've, I've had to like find myself like, okay, well I'll get my coffee ahead of time so that I'm not like getting up in the middle of a service and going to get coffee because then all of a sudden I'm in a weird headspace. And even if it's just like during <laughs> updates or announcements or anything, like that's all still important and significant. So like to, to be, trying to run and grab coffee and come back during that time is I wouldn't do that in a normal service. So why would I do that at home? And it's, I think that's been a weird thing for me wrestling through some of that. Any other thoughts? I think for me when I, cause there's times where uh, I don't have this luxury if I'm leading the leading the singing, but 
you know, if there's a moment where I find myself, my brain is wandering for whatever reason, that sometimes I will stop singing and just read the words that are being sung just because, I don't know, just uh, you know, sometimes I know a song so well that you can just do it completely mindlessly. And so I think forcing myself to stop and just read the truth um, that we're actually singing about can be helpful to like, you know, you know, you talk about folding laundry is like a mindless activity. Well, if I'm not careful, a song that I'm really, really familiar with can become a mindless activity. And so something that I've done before that's helped me is to just stop singing and just actually read the words and try to re-engage and like refocus and, um, and then jump back in when I feel like I'm back to like, okay, I'm actually thinking about what I'm doing again. So you just made me think of something, Ryan. And this is going to sound really weird, but singing worship songs in Spanish. So I have, I have a Spanish minor from Millersville, and we did a missions trip to Peru, I think the year before I graduated or year after I graduated, somewhere around in there. And um, we learned a bunch of like normal worship songs, like common worship songs in, in that time period, but the Spanish versions of them. And like, I find myself like mighty to see whenever we bring that back up, I sing it in Spanish. And like, for some reason, like, having to think about and then like mentally translate in my head as I'm going, I'm like more engaged in what the words are saying, like actually thinking about them versus just like, you know, repeating a song that I've heard. Yeah. So it's, it's, you just made me think of that effect. It's like, yeah, when I sing songs in Spanish, like I'm actively thinking about it more and like, oh wow, like that's what that means. Mm -hmm. And like oftentimes too, it's not a literal translation. So it'll be like a slightly different word meaning. And I'm just like, oh, that's super cool. When you think about both of those put together, like, you know, um, and actually some of them even are deeper in Spanish. Like some of the, the Hillsong Young and Free stuff has, I feel like it's deeper Spanish lyrics than the English lyrics are. Um, but yeah, anyway, total sidebar on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so when in doubt, sing it in Spanish. <laughs> um, another cool one that I forget who mentioned it, but it was one of the years we did Habits of Grace. Someone talked about the night before even. So like whether it's like as a family after dinner time, they'd sit down and like just sing worship songs for, you know, five, 10 minutes or something like that, or just do, you know, like something out of their normal family routine just to prepare their, their heads and their hearts a little bit. And I thought that was really cool. Um, not, not something that I've been actively able to put into practice with my family, but I think something worth mentioning, but, you know, just like taking five, 10 minutes the night before. All right, well, let me, let me toss out a couple more practical recommendations, and then we'll wrap up, I think, for our evening here. Um, and these we pulled from, uh, from scripture, but specifically it was a Logan Walters article called Is Corporate Worship a Spiritual Discipline? Um, that we found on Austin Stone Worship. And just five things that we've kind of already talked about some of these, but some scripture to, to support them as well. Uh, so the first one is be there, and I put it in quotation marks this time around, because sometimes being there isn't physically but it's the idea of like still being engaged, like being present and intentional and not just passively streaming a service. Uh, and specifically, it was out of Hebrews 10.25. And the reference is saying, you know, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think that really ties back to what we talked a lot tonight about the idea of like having that commonality or that shared experience or that shared goal that you're working towards. Another practical idea is like sing, <laughs> regardless of how pretty or not pretty that might sound. And there's tons of places throughout scripture that we see is just the encourages in that, but specifically Psalm 47 verse six says, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. Pretty obvious what it's encouraging you to do there. 
and says nothing about how good or in tune that has to be. <laughs> Another practical idea is to physically engage. And a few references, there's a bunch from Psalms and then from Lamentations as well, but just the idea of like doing more than just the typical like Lancaster County stand there, arms on your side, like, and I'm not saying that there's any specific thing that should or shouldn't be taking place, but just the idea of like physically engaging in some capacity. And we see out of Psalms, like, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our, the Lord, our maker. Uh, we see again out of Psalms, clap your hands, all people, shout to the God with loud songs of joy. So like actually physically engaging in that joy. Uh, again, out of Psalms, let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him uh, with tambourine and lyre. So Ryan, you got all the, all 200 tambourines, right? And they're sanitized. Right. Right okay. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> uh, and then our limitations. As long as you take the dancing, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been practicing with Kylie. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, and then pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord, lift your hands to them. So just the idea of physically engaging in some capacity. We're dancing. <laughs> and then another practical idea is emotionally engage. And out of Matthew 22, we see, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Not just any kind of like surfacey piece, but like actually taking that time to like just gut check, like, am I emotionally engaged in this service, in this worship, in the singing, or am I, you know, kind of going through the motions? Maybe you need to translate into Spanish as you go, <laughs> but just some way, like, <laughs> deeply emotionally engaging. And then finally, um, not neglecting the other habits. So keep fostering the other habits. And this is out of Luke uh, chapter five, verse 15 says, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So like just the reminder about taking the time to pray or taking the time to withdraw to your closet. Um, sorry, just being intentional about not neglecting the other habits, um, even in the midst of corporate worship. So I think in the interest of time, we'll, we'll kind of pause at that point for tonight. Um, but I do want to say thank you for kind of entertaining some more conversations that really like popped up for Ryan and I we thought oh how does that jive or how does that work so I appreciate that all right well let me pray for us and then we'll wrap up for the evening well, thanks again for tonight I just I just want to thank you for even something as simple as allowing us to stay connected this way and for blessing us with a second family laptop to not have to worry about the disconnecting issues of the, the school laptop and yeah, but we just, we want to worship you well. We want to do these things well. And as we just seek to look at what different habits we can have, where we just pray that our heart's goal behind this would be because we want to live well for you. Um, Lord, as we go forward from here into whatever this week might bring, we just pray that you'd bring us encouragement, Lord, and help us to think back to these things of, you know, what corporate worship maybe looks like now in the midst of our COVID realities. But you know, ultimately, Lord, we just want to give you the glory and we thank you for the conversations of tonight. Thank you for the chance to go a little bit deeper and ask some unscripted questions and, and comments there. And just, yeah, I, I leave these meetings encouraged. And I'm just so thankful for the fact that you're using these to, to grow us in different ways like this and stretch our thinking and just bring us back to you, even if it is just simple concepts of, of um, just reflecting on who you are. We love you and just pray for encouragement with whatever this week brings, especially with some of the, you know, the teachers in the group as they're setting up for the new school year and just 
We pray that you would help us to stand on the, the solid rock that is your truth, even in the midst of our uncertainties and, and anxiousness and, and yeah, whatever all other emotions we're, we're bringing into the start of this new school year and, and yeah, just bringing into life in general. We love you and we praise you and just look forward to what you have for this week. Amen.